This episode of Teeming with Microbes is brought to you by Number Two Organics, made in partnership with Malibu Compost, Bigfoot Microbes, and Down to Earth All Natural Fertilizers. Okay, you ready? Eh, not really, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Teeming with Microbes podcast, our weekly deep dive into the rich and fertile world of the soil food web and organic gardening. We're breaking down all the science and handing out expert gardening advice while busting those long-held myths about how to help your garden grow. With the man who literally wrote the books on teeming with everything important in your soil, the Lord of the Roots himself, Jeff Lowenfels, and me, Jonathan White, the caffeinated gardener. From flowers to lawns to vegetables, heck, even your mind. Let's grow it all. All right, Jeff, are you? did you have to let out a couple of notches on your belt after the big Thanksgiving feast last night? No. No? No, because I, you know, I'm a very careful eater. Right. That's true. That's true. And I'm sensitive about eating plants. <laughs> No, I'm good with that. But turkey, I, I you know, I'd, I'd like to have my turkey today. You know, the sandwich. The That's day the after, turkey. yeah. My dad used to make a famous turkey soup. Ooh. We teased him about it, but we all ate it. It was always the leftover turkey, Ooh. right? And then in a big pot with all these other stuff, it was probably one of the four things he would cook all year. Really? And we'd, we teased him about it. Actually, in college, I wrote, a, a, you know, I was in a speech and debate class, and I wrote a big kind of a funny speech about my dad's turkey soup. It was touching though, because we all did really like it. Do you, do you think the people who are living in New Zealand listening to this podcast yeah, have right. any idea what we're talking Sorry. about? Listener, uh, a global listener, uh, apologies, but we just had our, our American Thanksgiving here in Alaska or in America. And we're in Alaska where, look, we're all going to have a couple of days off here. Or if you're lucky, you get a couple of days off, right? A lot of people take right. Black Friday off. I know right. we'll right. be relaxing. I'll be relaxing. And that leads us to some extra time and maybe... Maybe a new skill, a new skill set or hobby that's been sort of a, a long-held myth or practice, maybe, maybe both of people who have houseplants, and that's singing to your plants. Do you sing to your plants? You know, I don't, because, because I think if I sang to them, they'd probably die. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not a great singer, but there has always been this discussion about whether talking to plants or singing to plants or playing music for plants somehow stimulates their growth so that they do better. And the, and the arguments go either way, depending on, on who you are, who you, what, what college you went to, what your professor thought. But now there seems to be some research that, that at least for this one particular plant, a pea plant, uh, that, that maybe it does make a big difference, not just a little difference. I was surprised, weren't you? I was, but I'm with you. If I wanted to kill my houseplants, that's what I would yeah. do. I would sing to them and make sure that that uh, that was a, a safe and maybe inhumane way to kill a houseplant. Right. But it is super interesting that it's not just music or sounds. It seems to be that it's sort of like maybe the vibrations, maybe the yeah. the, the 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 frequency, the the acoustic frequency, and the technology that. Yep. You might, you know, you might subject the plant to could have some pr pretty interesting benefits. Yeah, it definitely does. According to this uh, study, I think it was an MIT study. And and what was really amazing, it's not just houseplants, but on tomatoes and, and where they, uh, I think they use sweet peppers as well. The numbers were really incredible 
over 50% increase in yield in, in the instance of at least one of the runs they made. And I think the other, oh no, it was 63% of more sweet peppers. Right. When you, and then there was 13% more tomatoes. Right. Now, well, that's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, if they use 10 tomato plants and they put headphones around the pots, <laughs> Uh, I like that idea. Uh, I guess on some of them, they just they just let the sound go. But I'm not going to put my expensive headphones out in my greenhouse uh, where they're where they're being watered. But what a great what a great experiment! It, people can put, try at home. Well, what was super right. interesting to me, and by the way, that's what the Lord of the Roots brings to this uh, podcast. I don't spend a lot of time reading MIT articles, but Mr. Smarty Pants over here, Mr. Harvard, obviously does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not because I'm Mr. Harvard, but just because it's it's fascinating stuff. So I think they they reacted to a sound at 70 decibels. Now you used to be a newscaster, and so you know this sound stuff. 70 decibels. What what is that an airplane? Is that a my experience is that when I came on the news, most people turned their TV down. <laughs> so I'm not sure that I would be a good no. So yeah, 70 decibels is not. A lot, and you know, I guess in comparison, right? Seventy decibels would be like a washing machine or a a dishwasher, okay? Right? Not like a rock, not like a rock, but enough that you can hear it, and enough that that you know is can fill the room with sound, but not like a you know, not like a jet engine certainly, or a or yeah. a rock concert. I wonder if the bad worms were to play, what their decibel count would be. <laughs> it's interesting to me, and I wonder. I mean. We, we and folk, we can give you the link, or we can you can write us for the link to this article, which is was pretty darn interesting. But it it basically, I wonder if it's so much music or sound as much it is just vibration. Because in the article, it also points out that that the plants basically would grow toward the sound of running water. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. To me. Right. Yeah. So they had one tray enclosed in a plastic tube of running water at the end of it. And right. one had dry, uh, dry soil, um, and the 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 plants sort of grew toward the sound of running water. So it's so interesting to me that it's not maybe just music or or what we would consider music, but what a plant considers music might just be the vibrations or sort of the acoustic waves that come from sound. Yeah, yeah, and the article also seemed to indicate that seventy decibels is what they use, but they 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 say. The more loudness of your music or your talking, the more stimulated the plant's going to be. So that's that to me is a vibration thing. Isn't loudness as a result of having you have more vibrations or more more sound vibrations? Sure, yeah, more sound waves. I'm a, I'm a, I, you know again I'm into your field here, but wow. Uh, and and so so water. Uh, I wonder what else would would help them. Uh, maybe. I don't know. That's a very interesting thing. And people can experiment uh, with their plants and, and and give it a try on their own. I see listeners of this podcast next spring, just with Pavarotti going in their yards all summer long. Well, yeah. And then you wonder which songs are better. Beatles, uh, The Doors. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, we, yeah. and so there's a lot of citizen science we can be doing on our on our plants, but it was a stunning, stunning uh, article. And it wasn't just, you know, it was, wasn't just MIT. That was the South Korea National Institute of Agricultural Biotechnology. This is, this is no longer myth. Apparently they've proven it, which I think is just great. 
Hola, gardeners. Is it time to break up with your soil? Is it treating your garden right? Or is it just the same old faux organic or conventional ag byproduct nonsense? Maybe it's time to switch to something real, something you can count on. Well, say hello to number two organics. Farm-made organic compost, real organic topsoil, and premium organic potting soil. No games, no gimmicks. Ask your local nursery buyer to bring us in today. Or get us online at number2organics.com. Bigfoot Mycorrhizae is a complete microbial powerhouse that takes all the guesswork out of using beneficial fungi for your grows. It's like a soil food web in a bag packed with beneficial bacteria, kelp, humic acid, biochar, worm castings, and micronutrients. It's going to boost the flavor and size of your veggies, and it's the only mycorrhizae product to earn Jeff's coveted teaming with microbes seal of approval. You can find Bigfoot in Anchorage at Alaska Mill and Feed or nationwide through Amazon or our website, BigfootMyco.com. That's BigfootMyco.com. I know that when I have some free time, again, reading MIT articles isn't at the top of my list. It is, thankfully, for you. And the listener of this podcast must thank you for that because not many people that I know are. But another super cool, interesting article that you sent my way, and this is one where Jeff is just going to be Mr. Science for a little while because it's fascinating and ties directly into your first book that you wrote with Wayne Lewis, Teeming with Microbes. And it's right. just and, and and excuse me for and teaming with bacteria and as teaming well. with bacteria, right? And just more proof that we don't need chemical fertilizers to grow things really anymore, right? So, so we've talked in previous episodes about how seeds carry bacteria, and those bacteria jump out into the soil, then they enter into the plant, whether they go through the rhizophagy cycle where they provide nitrogen, or they go through the plant and then they you know, provide stress relief or do do some other antibiotic, something, something different inside the plant. And in the book, Teaming with Bacteria, I discuss a little bit about those that are available for people to buy. You and me as regular gardeners can buy certain bacteria, which, which you can put on your seeds and they will help. And the basic kind is a bacteria called bacillus. And people know bacillus. And if you take a look at the book. And something we've talked about on this podcast many times. In the right, past. right, right, right. And so these, these these bacteria, they form a zygote, which is a coating. And so you can transport them and you can mail them to Australia or to our friend in New Zealand or our friends in in uh, uh, Ireland. You can, you can mail these. And so they're commercially available. Farmers use them and they're beginning to trickle down into uh, the regular you and me type gardening, yardening kind of stuff. The problem with the other bacteria that we would want to use on our seeds is that they require special transportation treatment. Some of them actually, you can only transport them if you freeze dry them. Well, if you freeze dry them, then at the other end, you have to unfreeze dry them and you have to do it the right way. This requires expensive equipment. You and I are never going to have a freeze drying situation uh, which we're going to be used. or uh, you refrigerate them. Well, you know, some of us might have a refrigerator. You might be able to run to the nursery, pick up a refrigerated package of bacteria, and then run back home and put it in, in your own refrigeration system and then use them when you need to use them. Who knows whether they're going to work? So the use of these things are limited, but they're very important. And we've talked 
before about how microbes are going to be inserted into seeds and plants and used in coatings on seeds in order to provide nitrogen, whether it's through resophagy or, you know, other, or just making ammonia in the soil. And sure enough, MIT has come up with new coatings that protect nitrogen-fixing bacteria from heat and humidity. So that means with these coatings, you're going to be able to find them in a local nursery at some point in time, and you're going to be able to buy them and use them uh, in lieu of having to use either a chemical fertilizer or even some of the mulch and some of the compost that you use, which is really incredible. So here's what happened. The MIT guys, these were guys and gals, these were chemical engineers, they, they made a very special coating. They called it a, a metal organic coating, and it protects the bacteria from damage. So it's sort of like these bacillus form their own coating, which is the zygote that I mentioned, this is an artificial coating, which you can apply to seeds, and it creates a shell that protects the microbes that are in the coating itself. And they were able to do this with, I think, uh, three or four different kinds of bacteria. They put them in this coating, and they used them on plants. The bacteria converted nitrogen gas to ammonia, uh, which, which plants then use for their nitrogen. So it was really kind of a neat thing. And the reason why it's so important is because producing chemical fertilizers uses, a well, here it is in the article, 1.5% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions come from production of chemical fertilizers. So here, here they have a, a method. You can coat the seed. You can apply specific bacteria. And I'm sure there's going to be a a lot, lots of stuff. Uh, they happen to use, can you believe it, corn and bok choy. One of the few <laughs> things we can grow in Anchorage, bok choy. Uh, so, so that's kind of neat, and it's just going to make it. It's just going to make it so that people can use microbes in a really, really easy, easy way. They don't dry out. Apparently, uh, they don't. They're not. They're not hurt by freezing. And in this particular study, they, they were able to handle about 132 degrees Fahrenheit, which means you're going to be able to plant things in Phoenix, uh, you know, that, that use these bacteria. That's a little joke there on the side. It's super interesting, too, because, I mean, the highlights of the article, really one of them are is that, you know, it, how quickly it increases seeds germination by coating, you know, the, these microbes. I mean, that is a huge advantage also for for farmers, for anyone who's going to be growing a whole lot of seeds. That 150% increase in germination is remarkable. Yeah, that I mean, that's going to save people a lot of money. And what I also thought was really cool was that the materials used, the, the, they used iron, manganese, aluminum, zinc, all of these things apparently are safe and under the United States EPA rules or whatever it is, you know, they're declared so, so usable that you don't have to worry about poisoning, et cetera, et cetera. So they're natural food grade compounds to use this stuff, which to me suggests that you and I will see these a lot sooner than we think. That's really an exciting, exciting thing to have happen. So 
It's always been one of the more interesting thought experiments that we've had is why has it taken so long for the basic concepts that you talk about in your books and that we talk about in this podcast to take root commercially? Yeah, um, it, It's because the economics have to catch up to where, you know, before just relying on someone's sort of altruism or their, you know, their their environmental outlook on the environment or on on CO2 gases or whatever. Now it's become to where it's a little bit more economical and could save lots of farmers, you know, both time and money, and it's doing a good thing for the environment. Which is really an, an unbelievable thing. When they, when they developed chemical nitrogen, the Haber-Bosch process, it was done because previous to that, the only place you could get nitrogen was from manures, and you'd get that from guano, birds, and bats. The United States still has, I believe, on the books a law that if you find an island that has a viable guano source on it that you can mine, you can have that island. That's pretty amazing. It was always a transportation play or a location play. This makes it just you put them in the mail, you drive them in a truck, uh, and you don't have to worry about anything. It's terrific. Not to mention, though, you have to live on Bat Guano Island. <laughs> Where do you live? I live on Bat Guano Island. Just send it to me there. Down to Earth All Natural Fertilizers has been a partner of organic gardeners for more than 40 years. With a full range of OMRI-listed and organic-approved products featuring a wide variety of premium organic blends and a diverse selection of single-ingredient inputs, down to Earth is dedicated to using the highest quality natural ingredients available, including marine proteins, natural minerals, and biological soil additives. Down to Earth all natural fertilizers can be found nationwide in independent home and garden centers. So you should ask your retailer for Down to Earth products. Look for that compostable box or find us at downtoearthfertilizer.com. Along with the cold temperatures that we're having in South Central Alaska this week, although it's warming up a little bit, and the great deal of snow that we had over the last, well, the snowiest winter or the snowiest November in 70 years so far here in South Central Alaska. So we got that going for us. It, we also get lots of high winds. And it's always interesting to me to see under trees around the city when we have a lot of wind blowing because not only do you get any of the leftover leaves that were still stuck to the trees it's always interesting to see the snow and all the detritus on the on top of it but you got a picture you got a, a picture from a listener this week mm. whose name i am almost certainly going to butcher but i'm going to do it anyway julia majeris wagenknecht sent you a remarkable picture and this is the one downside of having an audio podcast. We can't easily share this picture. But the snow around these trees near her yard is decidedly red. Yeah. It looks like it, it looks like maybe blood. It's very kind of interesting and very striking. You know what? We can share the picture. I'll tell you why. Because if people go to, as you say, the Google, you can type in. ADN, which stands for Anchorage Daily News, ADN Lowenfels, November 19th, 2020. And you'll get the picture uh, that this lady sent me. Now, she's since 
uh, had a repeat of this particular red snow. But originally, she, she didn't know what it was. And frankly, I didn't know what it was either. I've heard of windstorms blowing uh, dust uh, all around the world. And in fact, one of my favorite stories is how they were debating uh, during the windstorms and the uh, the drive uh, we had during the Depression and the, the central plains were evaporating in dust storms, et cetera, and all the corn and ground that had been, the prairie had been dug up and it was all blowing away. And they're having an argument about what to do about it in, in Congress, and it got dark <laughs> because mm. the dust blew into Washington, D.C. This turned out not to be dust. Uh, I didn't know what it was. And I went to the Google and I looked like crazy. And, and sure enough, it turns out to be algae. Now, when I think of algae, I think of green, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Or maybe black, but green and black. Yeah, yeah, dark, dark colors, but not red. Apparently, what, what what's happening here is this algae has blown in the area. Uh, and since she's had it happen three years later in the same area, I'm going to say it's it's dropping off the trees or, or something. we got to do some more research to figure out why it's in that same particular area. And and what happens is the, the algae has chlorophyll in order to photosynthesize and produce what it needs in order to live. Well, in this bright snow, we get a nice sunny day, and it, and it prevents the chlorophyll. It, it, it actually kills the algae. Uh, it gets sunburned. And so the algae develops uh, a carotenoid, uh, and, it, and, it, and it produces it, and that turns red, and that protects the chlorophyll, uh, chloroplasts from, which produce or have chlorophyll in them, that photosynthesize, it protects them from being sunburned, which is hmm. really, really cool. So it's sunblock for algae. And 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 what happens is the algae, uh, it, because it's got a darker color there, it melts, it's red, that absorbs sunlight and heat, and, and that produces enough water for the algae to be able to swim around and reproduce, which is really, really neat. Uh, except it, it apparently not necessarily, it may have a negative impact in terms of uh, climate change. It's got a cool name though, watermelon snow or glacier blood. It's got some pretty fun names. Yeah, and the reason they call it watermelon snow, not because of the color necessarily, but because people contend that it smells like watermelon. <laughs> Who knew? Not me and probably not you. No, definitely not me. All right. Well, interesting stuff, folks. Keep your eyes out for watermelon snow. And we will be back next week, of course, with another episode of Teaming with Microbes. And if you have questions for us, if you or a friend have gardening questions over this winter, shoot us uh, an email at teamingwithmicrobes at me.com. And remember, wherever you listen to our uh, podcast here, please give us a rating on whatever platform you do. I think it's time to go make some turkey soup in honor of uh, my dad. I think that makes a great deal of sense. And if you see red snow, that's fine. You can eat it. But if you see yellow snow, stay away from it. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to this edition of Teeming with Microbes. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing this gardening season. Jeff and I wrote this episode with additional production and editing by Evan Phillips of Podpeak. You can find him at podpeak.com. 
Our music is also by Evan Phillips. Thanks, as always, to the Anchorage Daily News for hosting our show. And don't forget to catch Jeff's weekly gardening column in each Friday's edition. We'll be back next week with another edition of Teeming with Microbes. Until then, get out there, get your hands dirty, and get growing. <laughs>